Episode three of Book of Basketball 2.0 is brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Some people end up in the Hall of Fame pyramid, some don't. Many times we never expect who made it. I think Steph Curry qualifies for that one. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. You know what Steph Curry never expected? Getting passed over by the T-Wolves in 2009. Not once, but twice. You know, none of us ever expected that it would become one of the biggest mistakes in NBA history. Again, life unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. We're also brought to you by one of the last good websites, theringer.com, as well as the Ringer Podcast Network, which is where you can find the Bill Simmons Podcast, the Rewatchables, Binge Mode, Larry Wilmore, David Chang, and nearly 30 terrific Ringer podcasts including our newest one, this one. For our third episode, I'm breaking down Stephen Curry's resume for my Hall of Fame pyramid with the ringers. Ryan Rosillo, we taped this only a couple days before Steph broke his hand. So there's an added layer of poignancy to this one. My name is Bill Simmons. Here we go. The Book of Basketball podcast, Stephen Curry. In 2010's paperback edition of the Book of Basketball, I kept my Hall of Fame pyramid at 96 players. Why? I wanted to leave four spots open for what I jokingly called 2016's sequel, The Book of Basketball second edition, A Quick Influx of Cash. Who knew it would be called 2019's Book of Basketball 2.0, the podcast, not me. Anyway, here were the odds I made in 2010 for those four pyramid spots. You ready for this, Ryan Marcillo? I am. Durant, minus 700. Heavy favorite. Right. Gasol, pal, even. Carmelo, plus 250. Rose, plus 300. Darren Williams, plus 300. A.K.A. Duran. Might have been the <laughs> Apex Mountain. Uh, Rondo, plus 350. Billups plus 400, Ginobili plus 500, Bosch plus 750, Amari 9 to 1, Brandon Roy 12 to 1, Steph Curry 15 to 1, what? Tyreek Evans 25 to 1. And there's a couple more Rubio 30 to 1, Noah 40 to 1, Lopez and Cousins 50 to 1, Yao Ming 75 to 1, and Greg Oden's penis I had at 100 to 1. That's right. Stephen Curry's odds were between Brandon Roy and Tyreek Evans in 2010. It's true. I predicted Durant, Gasol, Rondo, and Carmelo would be the four pyramid ads. I even called Durant a lock. Steph Curry did not make the cut. Well, five players owned the 2010s over everyone else. LeBron, Durant, Harden, Kawhi, and especially Steph Curry, the two-time MVP, the three-time champ, the greatest shooter ever, the lovable Warriors icon who, over everyone else, revolutionized professional basketball this century. He showed up at the perfect time right as advanced metrics were transforming basketball. And this stuff seems so simple now. Three points are worth more than two. Didn't really realize that until about 10 years ago. A 25-footer is a better shot than a 20-footer? Yeah. Spacing is as valuable as a low-post stud? Sure. We know this now. We didn't know this when, when in 2009 when five teams passed on Curry in the draft. 
including Minnesota twice. And we didn't react like the world was ending. Okay. I actually kind of did. Were you, were you offended when Curry dropped to seven? No, he was a really hard guy to evaluate because basically the school spent his last year letting him try out at point guard to become a better NBA prospect. Yeah. It was really weird. We didn't know for sure. I would have bet on it, though. But by 2013, we knew something was happening. That year, I ranked him third in my annual NBA trade value column. I had a heart in Westbrook and Griffin. And I wrote that quote, turn on the game. Steph Curry is heating up is the single most exciting sports-related text you can send or receive right now. That might still be the case, actually. For the social media era, Steph was the one who consistently replicated the single best thing about March Madness. When some dude catches fire and starts sinking threes like their layups, he was the NBA's first true heat check star since Pete Maravich, the first guy who made us think, as long as they're within 30, this is going in. He had an unusually profound sense of the moment, unlike Reggie Miller and Ray Allen. He didn't need picks to get his shots off, and those Curry heat check shots were swishing. It was always the thing, like not even hitting the rim. They're just going right through. Once he started feeling it, the energy in the building would shift. It would become something else. Teammates turning into cheerleaders, fans buzzing in disbelief, everyone standing, all the limits of a sport that we thought we knew, that we thought we understood, getting briefly removed. The dude could own a room. That was Curry in 2013. That's been Curry really ever since. Who'd they lose to in 2013? Do you remember? They lost to the Spurs. Yeah. They made it to round two. What made it different and special was that they built a budding contender around two shooters. Not normal. Stephen Quay jacked up almost 14 threes per playoff game that year. They terrified the Nuggets and Spurs. They created spacing and fear constantly. The same way someone like Tyreek Hill goes in motion and creates real panic with an NFL defense. It had never really happened in playoff hoops before. So they became the NBA's biggest bandwagon team. Steph was like little kid catnip. Kids loved the Warriors like nobody since MJ's Bulls. And unfortunately, the Warriors seemed destined to become their generation's version of Nash's Suns or Gervin's Spurs, a critically acclaimed, incredibly entertaining NBA team that never won a title, but we loved and appreciated them anyway. Who's your favorite criti critically acclaimed NBA team? Probably the 82-83 Sixers. Well, they won, though. Oh, all right. Then it's the 93 Suns. I had that. I should have mentioned them as well. Uh, we were wrong. They were better than that. Draymond Green made the leap. The Warriors won the 2015 title. They won 25 straight the following year. They went 73-9. and nine. They came with it a punch in the balls, literally, of pulling <laughs> off the greatest NBA season ever. <laughs> and then Kevin Durant showed up, and you know the rest. Now we're heading into the 2020s. Curry has become the NBA's last link to Duncan, to Magic, to Bird, to Russell, the prototypically unselfish super-duper star, the ultimate teammate, the one guy who still values staying with one franchise for his entire career. Amazingly, he's been with the Warriors longer than any current player has been with the team. Same team. He's, that would make sense after this summer, I guess. Yeah, right? he has the terms of service record. Since 2013, he's been one of the league's top three guys for this category. If he got traded, would the fans riot and flip over cars and set things on fire? He's been top three for seven solid seasons. The Golden Gate Bridge has had a better chance of being traded than Steph Curry. Well, this year, the Warriors moved to a lavish arena in downtown San Francisco, leaving Oakland behind, the league's best crowd, the once-tortured basketball city who found salvation with the Curry era. And if there's one irony about Steph's career, it's that his unexpected rise murdered, I repeat, murdered, our most passionate and diverse basketball crowd. 
They got priced out. And eventually, the team of the decade needed to move into a multi-billion dollar palace, a place that basically and ironically, Steph built with all those threes. It's too bad. He's the league's last old school superstar. He's the league's most new school superstar, the face of an evolution and a revolution. And the cool thing, it's still going. He's only 30. I have Stephen Curry ranked 24th on my Hall of Fame pyramid right now. My question for you, Ryan Rosillo, when we're rooming together in a nursing home in 2055, and we're remembering the 2010s NBA this decade. I hope I still have housing. That'd be great. Will we remember Curry or LeBron first? There's no way that Curry's going to reach LeBron's final status. What about this decade? You think about the 2010s. Right, because you're adding another eight years for LeBron prior to that. You thinking I'm about such the a three Steph point fan. I don't want. I don't want to argue Steph. I don't want to say Steph right now, but Steph's impact, I believe, changed the game more than what LeBron is. But LeBron's the better player. I agree with that because I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna look back at each decade. However, you know, '80s is Bird of Magic, '90s is Jordan, and then like kind of the too much, too soon, too fast era. 2000s is kind of a reset, and we're like. Okay, this this went wrong. What happened? Why isn't basketball as fun as it used to be anymore? Yeah, it they is really weird. Rules. Right, but then it's also kind of like writing off the Spurs seven different times. Right. It's like, oh, by the way, they're going to be around for five more years. Yeah. So that's part of that era. But and then yeah. LeBron, the kind of rise of LeBron leading to the decision in 2010, which is a big part of this decade too. Yeah, but it will be, you know, as we spend some time talking about Steph, I, I'm just telling you, anybody that still or was playing pickup games or watch kids or had, you know, if you have kids, everybody started doing stuff nobody ever tried before. And you can't say that probably about five players in NBA history. I think, I think LeBron was obviously a greater player. Yeah. And I think he had a bigger impact. I think what Steph, what he tapped into was something that we hadn't really seen since Jordan where people come into a game two hours before to catch him warming up is crazy. Like, I did it. Yeah. And I remember it really started during the 25-game winning streak the following year after they won the title. And I remember there was, I think I even went to one of the games, but I remember there was like a Nets game or something. And this was when Twitter was really going. And people were filming his warm-ups and, and you know, live streaming them. And I was like, Jesus, this guy's a phenomenon. Who? What other athlete do people go watch warm up? Nobody's going to a Chiefs game three hours before and be like, I'm going to watch Mahomes sail some footballs. It would have to be just batting practice, you know, back probably McGuire Sosa kind of thing. Oh, like, good it's point. It's a spectacle. And, you know, I know that I would go early to home run derbies if it was somebody in town in Fenway or something. But, you know, I went early to Steph games when I had the chance. I remember that year when they had that streak and – Watching them, I think it was in a jazz game. I don't remember if it went to overtime or not, but they were trying like as hard as you could possibly imagine seeing a team try. And it was a very early regular season game because they just, they weren't going to give up. And I always kind of felt bad for people that hated Steph or hated on the Warriors. I mean, it's just the way fans are going to work. If you're a yeah. Rockets fan, you don't want to hear about this. You don't want to hear about how great they are. But you really, if you couldn't get past your bias for it, you were denying yourself this beautiful version like the Suns thing with Nash and seven seconds or less was awesome and you could not be a fan of them and appreciate it but this was like wait a minute are, are guys going to start doing this I remember I had a stretch like when Curry what was it his third I think his third year in he hit 45 percent of his threes and he only took like five a game then he started yep. taking like 11 a game 
and he was still hitting for it. And I, I just kept wondering, like, is this going to just magically stop at some point? I thought it was almost too good. It was fake. It wasn't real. You're not supposed to take these shots. You're not supposed to take these contested shots. Like, how are you doing this? And then it's like, no, this is who he's going to be his entire career. And, and then you're going to have a whole wave of people following, too. One of the reasons I wanted to bring this podcast back and kind of reinvent my book and make it like a de facto sequel was because when I wrote the book in 09 and the paper back in 2010, basketball was pretty easy to figure out. You could compare eras. You could tie in, like, the pace of stuff and— for the most part, you could make cases like, oh, yeah, the 86 Celtics, I really do think they would have beaten the 2001 Lakers, and here's why. This decade, I think about a team like the 2017 Warriors, and I don't really know how to compare errors anymore because these last seven years specifically, the game changed so much that I don't know if it's an evolution or if it's just a completely different sport, but if you just took the 86 Celtics in a time machine and put them into now and the spacing and all that that the other teams had and how much, how much you had to chase on D. And this is all stuff that basically started with that 2013 Warriors team. I remember when it was happening because I was on countdown that year and the Knicks were launching a lot of threes too, but nobody thought it was going to work in the playoffs. The assumption was everything's going to slow down and now it'll start to look like basketball again. And then you look at the 2013 playoffs and they were averaging 14 a game, just him and Clay. It was like, oh, they're actually going to just keep doing this. And it was working. And they, they beat Denver. They were huge underdogs. And then they were 2-2 against the Spurs after four. And it was like, holy shit. And then remember, it turned into this big argument about whether this could work. And got the old school guys like Barkley, like, they will never win a title playing this way. And it just was on after that. The two most protective groups of people are parents <laughs> on a playground. Yeah. <laughs> and 90s NBA players about their era. Oh, yeah. They're insufferable. And yeah. I like a lot of those guys. I've been lucky enough to meet a few and Charles Barkley, to this day, is my favorite athlete of all time. And I've got to talk to him, have him on the show. But, I mean, he picked against him every freaking series. He, he picked against him after they won the finals. He's like, I still don't know if they could win the title. <laughs> I remember that 15 <laughs> series. And I know I don't want to get no, off no, of you, your go, timeline. Do, or, do what you want to do. But I love the 2015 Memphis series so much because they're down 2-1. And it's Memphis. And let's face it, like the Memphis peak, they ran into some better teams. It was a lovable team because they had an edge. They were going to do it the different way. The green grind. grind. Yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah. They didn't have a chance in hell, okay? They just, they, they weren't they weren't better than the Warriors. And here are the Warriors. They put together this amazing season. It's like the real coronation of Steph here now. Um, and they're down 2-1, and I'm sitting in different studios, and we get all these other NBA guys. Chauncey Billups, who's one of my favorite, walks in. He's like, yep, see? It's like a little different in the playoffs, you know? And he's a piston. He's like, you hit those screens a little bit harder. And I would listen to these guys be like, no, no, what is actually going to happen? What is going to happen that they're all of a sudden to start missing these shots? And everything was always like, rough them up a little bit. And like, you know, you guys didn't play tackle football, okay? Yeah. Guys still got open shots. Guys still got driving lanes. I know everybody wants to run these pistons, bulls, Jordan things. That wasn't every play, guys. We're just seeing clips of it. So that wasn't every play in the 90s. So when they were down 2-1 against Memphis, and you know, I know people can go back and replay it as if all these different things would have happened. They well, Tony a, Allen got Tony hurt. Allen. That's a big Memphis right. thing. That's a big yeah. one. Um, you know, Then they decided to just ignore Tony Allen in, in general, and they switched their defensive alignments. And I said that day in the studio, as Billups is like, well, what do you think? And I'm just like, print the shirts print the shirts. I'm like, they're winning this thing this year. And, and that was me being early on it, liking them, picking them against that Denver team earlier, thinking they could possibly beat San Antonio. But there was still doubt. Like, think about that. That's only four years ago. The origin of this thing, when it really took off, 
there were a bunch of NBA guys going, ah, they're down 2-1 to Memphis. This thing's over. And what happened in in 16 Game 7 when they couldn't basically score in the last six minutes and it just got so tight in there that all of a sudden the 27-footer isn't a great idea? And that was the vindication of that, right? Where it's like, see, that's what happened. It's like, yeah, but they just won the title last year, so you can't say that. It's going to happen. Teams are going to get tight. Um, the success has been ridiculous. The 15... The 2015-17 Warriors, those three seasons, their record uh, was 207 and 39. They didn't lose 40 games in three years. <laughs> that's I mean, that's, that's insane. That's insane. And, you know, another part of this is just there were guys that had, and it doesn't mean that even if you play, people that had such a hard time with whether or not they were tough. First of all, they were great defensive teams throughout this entire run, except for the last team that definitely was leaking defensively yeah. that just lost to Toronto. but And that had a, age and injuries had to do with that. Yeah, the 16, the 15, 16, 17 defense was really, really top, top, top notch. Arguably one or two, like every yeah. year throughout that. So they also knew how to play defense. They're also, you know, whether you want to talk about all the advancements from shooting and going, how much shooting can we put out there on the floor, which is kind of funny because it was also part of their downfall going back to Houston a couple years ago yeah. when Houston realized, you know what, they actually only have like three guys that can make shots, so let's guard five, let's guard three with five. Yeah. And you're like, man, Golden State doesn't have enough shooting. But the other thing that they did was the Iguodala's, you know, Livingston early, not so much later, but Clay, and then when they added Durant to the piece. And Steph had years where he held up better defensively than people want to give him credit for. He just did. Like, he was smart enough to know at least where to stand. I was always a Steph defender uh, of his defense. Yeah, right. I, I actually think it got bad this last year. But you got older. They were multiple in that they were like, hey, what do I want to draft? Well, I want to draft guys that can shoot. Okay, what else do I want them to do? I want them to be able to switch defensively. And that was something that they were always really good at. And when they switched, they didn't get killed when they got switched. So that's that's a tough team. I mean, there's more things we can bring up here, but just because you hit 30-footers doesn't mean you're soft. And that's something people had a hard time getting over. And it recreated a blueprint that we thought was only one kind of blueprint where I can only actually win the title if I have the LeBron, Kobe, Bird you know, just the transcendent perimeter guy, or I have a center. And that's it. Those are my two ways. And then when Nash's sons didn't win in 07, it was like, see, got to have the guy. Got to have that one. Even the 08 Celtics, they had KG. Going all the way through Lebr uh, Kobe when he wins back-to-back. -back. They still have Gasol. They have Bynum. They have Odom. They have the ability to have real size. Um, and then LeBron Wade Bosch, like Bosch was basically the de facto big guy who could at least stretch the floor. So it starts to shift. And he was really then. good defensively. Yeah, I and mean, he was, Bosch was awesome defensively. So it started to shift. And even Bosch in the tail end of the Miami thing, he's starting to drift out, come outside in the threes a little bit more. But it still feels like it happened fast. Like when you said how that was only four years ago, everybody was doubting this. Think about that. It's four years ago. It's I always mean, that, the other way. Like you, you and I, we talk about sort of like how long was that? It's the worst thing. We're like, yeah, was eight years this ago, is dude. abrupt. This is... It's overnight. Like, I love that you bring up Bosch, right? Because when they were down, what was it? They were down 2-1. He were down 2-1 to the Pacers, right? Yes, they? they were. And it's like, what are they going to do with Hibbert? What are they going to do with Hibbert? And it's not just Miami expanding what they were doing offensively, but then years later what goes in. Like, Hibbert goes from maybe the Heat should trade Bosch for two pieces to Hibbert can't get a job overnight. Um, We have a bunch of categories. This is structured a little bit like the rewatchables when we do the Pyramid Pod. The first category is the resume. We just go through a whole bunch of facts and stats with Steph because I think when you put all this stuff down on paper, 
It's pretty staggering. Uh, he's only been in the league 10 years. This is his 11th year right now. Eight qualities, six all-stars. Best or second best player on three champs, two runners up. Back-to-back -back MVPs in 15 and 16. Never a finals MVP, which will be held against him historically. It just will. Should have won it in 15. Um, We're going to go through that. Kind of kind of silly. But, um, yeah, to me, you immediately expose yourself as somebody who's just ridiculous. If you're like, hey, he's good, but. Right. Back-to-back -back MVPs. Here's the complete list. Kareem, Kareem did it twice. LeBron did it twice. Curry, Nash, Duncan, Jordan, Magic, Bird, Moses, Wilt, Russell. Those are all the guys who have done that. That's three, six, 11 guys. That's a pretty crazy list. That's why with Giannis this year, goes back to back. He's the 12th guy ever to do that. Significant. When you just say those names. Yeah. I'm like listing we, all we the best guys. get ridiculously giddy just thinking about any of those names. And then... Just it also reminds me how mad everybody was when Nash got oh, the yeah. second one. Yeah, he's the, he, and then it's like which name doesn't sound right? And Nash was always the yeah. Maybe there's some people that would say that about Curry now because it's such a ridiculous list. I would just rather go. It's a ridiculous list, you know. All NBA first team three times, second team twice, third team in 2018. Even though he only played 51 games, that was a total respect vote. League leader in points once, threes five times, free throw percentage four times, steals once. For his career, 23 and a half points, 25th all-time. 90.5 free throws, first all-time. 43.6 three-point percentage, fifth all-time, 23.8 PR. He has made 2,483 threes heading into the season. It'll be over 2,500 by the time you hear this. That's third all-time. Ray Allen is number one at 29.73. Reggie Miller is second at 25.60. Not only is Curry going to break that record, he's going to render it unrecognizable. And unless Dame Lillard can play until he's 55, I don't really see anybody else even approaching it. Because he really is going to have a chance to get over 4,000 made threes. Historically, the three-point stuff isn't fair to anybody. No, it's, you know, it's, it's so it's, absurd. Right. So whenever anybody runs that graphic, you're like, you know what? You can't do that. Or you somebody tries to, to use guys it for an argument. Century or something. It's like looking at passing yards in college football. <laughs> right. Because basically every kid that graduates that year leaves the all-time passing leader yeah. because the offenses are just out of control. But I think 50 years from now, I wouldn't be surprised if he was still uh, if he was still there. He's got sixteen. He's got over sixteen thousand points now. I think it's in play. He get twenty five thousand points, four thousand threes. Playoffs twenty seven five and six in one hundred twelve games, forty five forty ninety one percent splits. Which I think forty five forty ninety club for playoffs should kind of be its own club because the playoffs are harder. If you're forty five forty ninety for your career, like you did something, four point two made threes per game in the playoffs. He's made 473 playoff threes, which is first, 121 finals threes, which is first. Uh, his five-year peak, 27, five, and seven. This is a five-year average, 49, 43, 91 percentages. He's almost 50, 40, 90 club for a five-year peak. Uh, and just to have one of those, like if you hit that club once for one season, yeah, you're, it's a huge you're deal. Historic. Right. 2017 playoffs was his best playoffs, 28, six, and seven. 48, 42, 90 percentages, 4.23 is a game, 27.1 PR. So those are the numbers. This NBA season, Mountain Dew is all about the threes, the shot that's changing the game. What a perfect podcast for them to be in. Welcome aboard, Mountain Dew. In this first two weeks of the NBA season, the trend of seeing teams shoot more threes than ever has continued. Some teams are over 40%. Steph Curry attempted 383s in his rookie season. 
starting in 2013, that swelled to 600, 615, 646, and then 886 astonishing threes in his iconic 2016 season. Of course, that's not even the record. James Harden had over 1,000 last year. You never know with this stuff, but what we do know is it's brought to you by Mountain Dew, the official beverage of the NBA. Do the do. Hey, you know Square. They make that little white square reader that helps lots of businesses around your neighborhood take payments. Like basically every haircut I've gotten for the last four years, they've used Square. Guess what? Super duper easy. Here's the thing a lot of people don't know. They make so much more than the card reader because running and growing a business takes so much work. Um, once upon a time, I started a business. We worked out of the back, the back of my house for the first couple months. Now we have an office. We have all these people. It's great. While Square can't do that for you, it can help with a lot more than you think it can with things like point of sale for restaurants, for retail, for salons and services, you name it, online stores, full service payroll, invoices you can send from anywhere. Their payments are the best in business. No long-term contracts. You always get your money fast. So here's what you can do. You can see how Square can take your business from square one to whatever's next at square.com slash go slash BS. Once again, that is square.com slash go slash BS. Five things you need to know about Steph Curry, the new category. First one, greatest shooter of all time, and it's not close. I when, actually think there's no argument. If, if somebody's going to bring up Steve Kerr being at 45% from three, I believe, from his even career. He, even he admits it's embarrassing. Well, it, it is embarrassing, and it's not because it's just the volume the shot part of it, I mean, I don't want to just look at someone's shooting percentage and go, oh, this guy's higher, so that means he's higher than you. Because right now, I mean, Seth is actually higher right. career three-point shooter than Steph is. The volume is what separates it. It's the volume, and it's, imagine if he didn't have to take bailout shots. Imagine <laughs> if Steph was like, you know what I'm going to do? Just, I'm going to take, instead of 12 of these, I'm going to take six perfect ones. Yeah. I think he'd go four for six. So it's not just the numbers, it's what I've seen. And it's also, here's the other thing. Muscle memory on corner threes is completely different than dribbling up in transition or catching it around a screen. Like guys can find a way to make money for a long time in this league, just taking thousands in the corner and knowing, hey, this is my shot. And if I have it, just be ready to go. He had every, I'm talking past tense here, but he had everything. He still would hit you mid-range on a pull-up stop. You go by him, and he can hit that. That's why he's the greatest shooter, and it isn't debatable because he can pull up and make it look good from anywhere in any style of shot, off the catch, off the dribble, off a screen, in a way that I don't think we're ever going to see. That's how special it is. I don't think you're ever going to see that again. Well, Ryan, we both played basketball. <laughs> played last night. In person, what's shocking about him is how fast the, the motion from I have the ball, I, I'm not realizing that Steph Curry is about to shoot to his shooting and how simple it is. It's, it's almost like watching a lever. In, it's a lot of like- In a I've, car factory or something, those levers that just add seatbelts to a thing. It's two movements and, and a quick wrist flip. And it's the same every time. It's the same at the top. Like it was the Dirk thing when I was always trying to figure out Dirk. Dirk could take a shot and have it be a mess underneath. Yeah. Like his legs and his torso and everything could be turned. But as long as it's okay out of your hands, then you're fine. And you I, know, I honestly think him and Bird had the greatest hand-eye coordination of any players I've ever seen. Because same thing with Bird. Bird could 
take sh- you could spin him around 20 times and his, and he could just get off the exact same shot whatever and same thing for uh for curry there's three members of the 50 45 90 club for percentages 2016 curry 2008 steve nash in 1996 steve kerr who shot less than 100 free throws so it's probably we're letting him hang out but it's not an he's not an official member it's worth mentioning the two times we have and we probably don't need to mention kerr anymore <laughs> Right? I, I mean, what's what's asked of Nash and what's asked of Curry is not what was asked of Steve I don't Curry. think he gets a jacket, but I do think he gets to have hors d'oeuvres and a cocktail at the no, club. No, he shows up. They're like, Kerr's outside. Yeah, Kerr's in. He, he's technically in. Yeah. Should we let him in? Uh, he even admits he shouldn't be in. Only four players average, this is ever, average 15 points a game. 15 for their careers with 45, 40, 85% splits. Four, four people ever. Curry, Ray Allen, Peja Stajakovic. Mark Price. Nash was 14.1 points, so he didn't make it. Um, we get, I could give you 7,000 stats. He's the best shooter ever. Eye test confirms it. All the stats confirm it. And I think it's be really interesting to see what the next 10 years of his career is like. Whether, you know, because he's not, he's not going to be able to be a superstar for, I think, more than more than three to four more years, right? He's got a lot of miles on him. Well, well the other part of research in this is that it has been slipping a bit. The shooting percentages. It's like and, and just a, a wee bit. A li- but it's it's slipping from outside. It's like talking a, about Charlize, though, where you're like, yeah, she looks, she's starting to look like she's in her late 30s now, but she's still a god. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. But I would just say in looking at some of the numbers, <laughs> you know, the assist stuff is always great. And even though he's had the ankle stuff and he's had times in the playoffs where you're like, oh, no, he doesn't have that Nash thing. Like, I thought Nash should have shot more. Nash, I Nash? think, is actually one of the greatest shooters I've ever seen, but there's just there's there's volume stuff that's not going to add up to it because it's just not the way he saw the game. He saw the game differently. than. But I'd go, you know what? Nash is going to be great. Like, late 30s, he's going to be this guy. You're going to bring off the bench. He's going to hit all these open he's shots. He's like a two And then he just couldn't move anymore. So that is never going to – like, there's no reason why Steph – can't play until he's 40, but I don't I don't think anybody's going to be sitting there having him initiate the offense the way he still is initiating everything. Even though they've done a really good job, you know, that's maybe part of the secret of all of this too is that he wasn't always in the traditional point guard sense of like bring it up full court every single time like Draymond could bring it up. Uh, Durant obviously wasn't uncomfortable with it. You know, Clay became a better dribbler and all these different things, but if you're asking me like long term, I don't know why all of a sudden he's not going to be still this elite shooter. We have Nash coming up in a later podcast on the Book of Basketball podcast where he admits his biggest mistake was not shooting more. I always love They didn't know. He was just trying to be this efficient guy. And it's like, actually, you should be shooting 12 times, 12 threes a game because you'll make five of them. He would have. That's good for your team. I love hearing that. That makes me feel good. Second thing you need to know about Steph Curry. So his ankles... Are, I didn't want to put them in the what if because I don't think it's a what if because he took care of them. But I, I do think it's important to mention, you know, he had really fucked up ankles and we have really good technology these days. And people that can look at your running style and be like, hey, when you run and they're breaking down with computers, you're putting this much weight on your ankles. You got to change the way your running gait. So he learned how to do all that. They had the right kind of shoes that are custom to his feet and all this stuff. And I bring this up because... I think if he showed up in 1969 or 1975 or 19, even 1981, I think he just has an injury play career. And you talk about somebody born at the right time. He was born at the right time for somebody who 
had this one deficiency that we now had the technology to fix in all these different ways. And also he landed in Golden State where he's in Silicon Valley where they have, you know, higher levels of training equipment. There's been good stuff. You can Google. There's been good stuff written about this over the years. He was really a drafted by the right team at the right era kind of guy. And I think if he's wearing old Converse's in 1966 with the way his body was. What an amazing way to make this. It doesn't work. But you you found something in the outline of this where I'm like, what do you mean right time, too early, too late? Like there's no debate on this. He hit it at the absolute right time. But to add in, if he had the wrong shoes and these ankles are really Well, think about it. Have you seen the Converse's they wore like that Russell wore? Of course, yeah. They're insane. It's like you might as well put on fucking slippers. So he would mention over there. Third thing you need to know, 2013 playoffs, Mark Jackson declared, he was coaching the Warriors at the time, declared Clay and Steph were, quote, the greatest shooting backcourt in the history of the game. And people lost their fucking minds. They got so mad. Remember? They were oh, like, yeah, of course they do. Because it was like, hey. What do you mean? Right. I was doing countdown. Magic almost had a stroke. But did Magic offer up anybody else? No, it just, it seemed so early. It seemed and Mark Jackson was so confident. He's right. like, look. This is the greatest shooting backcourt of all time. And people were like, fuck you, dude. Stop pimping your players. And he was right. He crushed it. Mark Jackson. Uh, That's a hard thing to do because usually in the business, it's okay. Well, you're doing the thing and the hyperbole and on this all, all the stuff. But it was the, so it was the light, right no level of hyperbole. Back. No one, no one was like, I mean, even I was like, it's a little too early for this. And I, I love it was too team. early. So combined, they've made almost 4,300 threes. They've made 43% of them. Only five players have made 1,750 plus threes in their career and shot 40%. Allen, Curry, Corver, Page, and Clay. They have two of the five. Only five players have made 175 plus playoff threes and shot 40%. Curry, Allen, Clay, Kawhi, Nash. They're already the greatest. I mean, both of them could just retire tomorrow and would probably go down as the greatest shooting backcourt of all time. As much as someone could hate the Curry thing, like when they listen to this, are they going, no, actually, Ray Allen was better? No, they're just, they're just going, just, fuck, another good point. Damn it. Yeah. yeah. And the one thing that I think was worth bringing up, because when you mentioned like era wise, you know, what would have happened? Because every era thinks that, okay, as we've mentioned before, we would have figured out a way. One of the best, worst interviews I've ever had. Uh-oh. Mike and Mike. Yeah. Filling in. Got the big O. Oh, no. Oscar Robertson. Uh, what a grouch. We're like, what are we going to do? You know, how would Steph play? And he was like, <laughs> I remember this. Okay, he was this is, so grumpy. He was so pissed off. And he, we were like, well, what would you do? He goes, hey, nothing. It wouldn't happen. I'm like, it wouldn't happen? He's like, pick him up full court. <laughs> and I was like, so that's it. That's the secret. Yeah. Just pick him up full court. He was incredulous. He couldn't understand how we didn't realize that if you just picked up Steph Curry, all of this would stop. And that for anyone saying that Steph's the greatest shooter of all time, you didn't watch Cincinnati. The fourth thing you need to know about Steph Curry, adding Durant in 2016, kind of a bigger sacrifice than I think he got credit for. He was the best player in the team. Durant was one of the best players in the league and probably a better offensive player all around than he was. They, he had just won two back-to-back -back MVPs. And I think a lot of dudes would have been threatened by this. And from the get-go, and Steve Kerr talks about this in the podcast we did that's also on this feed, um, just doesn't care. Like he doesn't care about stats. He was just like, we can get Kevin Durant. Great. We'll win more games. And that was it. That was his mentality. There was a little bit of 
unease the first couple months. Remember, they couldn't quite figure out how to get Steph the amount of touches he needed. And he, there was a Christmas game. He wasn't, he was unhappy for what Steph is. But for the most part, really big sacrifice in the prime of his career to add competition. And I don't know, doesn't get praised for it. The fifth thing you need to know. Most guys would not have done that, though. I would say most, most guys in four this to league, five guys say, eh, no, I think we're good. Like a lot of guys want help until they realize you're not going to be the number one guy. The fifth thing you need to know, and this is one of those things that it happened not that long ago. And I think we haven't been able to put it in our proper perspective yet. And when I wrote all of it down, I was like, oh, my God. Steph's 2015-16 regular season was one of the greatest modern seasons anyone has ever had. 25-0 winning streak, almost broke the record. 73 wins, broke the 96 Bulls record that in my book I predicted would never be broken. They broke it. He became the only living member of the 50-45-90 club. That had never happened. Only 12 guys averaged 30 points a game since 1990. Harden, Russ, Curry, LeBron, KD, Wade, Kobe, T-Mac, Iverson, MJ, Mailman, and Dominique. I never thought he would average 30 a game. I think it's insane that he did and still wrap my head around it. 35 and seven that season, 50, 45, 91 percentages. He made 5.1 threes per game and 402 made threes. Only person ever to do that. 2.1 steals, kind of sneaky. 31.5 PR, which is in like Wilt LeBron territory. 669% uh, true shooting, which I've never really understood what true shooting is. He led the league in points, free throw percentage, three points, three pointers made, steals per game, PER, true shooting percentage, and was second in three point percentage. And that 31.5 PR was eighth all time. Only LeBron, MJ, Wilt were higher. He had his win shares for 48 was 0.318, which is like only Kareem, LeBron, MJ, Wilt have been higher than that. All around an unbelievable season. And I think it's really important to mention if they, if Draymond just doesn't punch LeBron in the balls, they win that they win that series in five. And this probably goes down as the greatest season ever. At least for like statistically, most they would have had 89 wins. Everything he did, if you looked at the totality of it, it was in the conversation. And then it falls apart those last three games. He's had a good run, but I still always kind of hate that moment for him selfishly yeah. because you know, the 15 series was weird because he didn't win finals MVP and it was, oh, you know, what's going on? And by the way, Kyrie's hurt and Love had been hurt earlier in that series or the playoff season against the Celtics. Yeah, let's really see it. Yeah, let's see if so, you can beat them healthy. So let's see what happens here in 16 and they get off to that amazing start and you're like, this thing's a wrap. Like, they just can't hang with these guys. And this is still ridiculous to think pre-Durant. And that that night, I hate it. I hate I hate thinking about it. Like I'm not a, I didn't grow up a Warriors fan or anything, but it, it robs him of something and he became a 3-1 meme. And I think this is the part of the Curry story that's like the, if you're doing the full thing, like this won't happen at the Hall of Fame induction, but he's the most disrespected superstar I can think of, at least in basketball. We can open it up to other sports if you want. And I think he would be high up there too. It happened with Brady in football a lot too, where no matter how much he did, people are like, eh, but... But not by his and then peers. And then finally he won the Super Bowl. Oh, you're saying by the peers. Well, That's we can do both. Yeah. Like Twitter doesn't like Steph. Well, they don't and, like the legacy yeah. matching him with LeBron because the, the theory has always been, well, he couldn't carry Richard Jefferson and Tristan yeah. Thompson to a title. And there's probably some truth in that though yeah. too. But... The weird thing about Steph is if you want to dig, and I we have a nerd corner coming up still. Yeah. I'm going to save it for nerd corner. But 
Like he just impacts games in a different way than LeBron does. And if you need somebody physically to take over possession after possession, then he's just not going to be able to do that. He's just like we saw some of those limitations. But at least for 16 in the Draymond and the LeBron play, and then it falling apart and him having that awful game seven, the 3-1 lead meme that carried way longer than I would have ever imagined. Yeah. That's where it felt like it started to turn and where people that felt like maybe it was fluky when it's like, hey, this isn't fluky, but it was just some evidence that, hey, you know what, all you people that are in love with him and this love affair and everybody wanting, like, we love to build these guys up, but we also really enjoy tearing them down. Like, they never get credit for the 3-1 comeback against Oklahoma City because they did the same thing to Cleveland. And that Oklahoma City series, what he and Clay did at the end of it, you're like, okay, this is real. This is who these guys were. Because when they were down 3-1, I'm like, are you guys seriously going to go down to the Thunder, like, in five games? After you just won all of these games coming off a title and you look even better, like this is how it's going to go out. Yeah. And they didn't They've had the a couple of those round. moments over the last four years. Not that's, the second round. That was Western Conference Finals. That's why, uh, as part of the first five of this rollout, even though we already did OKC game six versus Golden State 2016, we did it on my podcast as rewatchables, but I want to run it on this feed because I think it's an important one to, to match up with the Curry podcast that we're doing now. He's not the best player in the game. But it's a classic Steph Curry game. He's really good in it. And he actually has a couple moments where he carries them because Clay hits a million threes. But I think the perception now is for 48 minutes, he was amazing. He actually needed Curry too. And it's the perfect Clay Curry game to combo them. And I think that's well, kind of their legacy game to some degree. I also think we're going to talk about game we're four. We're saving those games, right? So, yeah. Okay, good. We're going to talk about game four at Cleveland 2016 too because I think that's a really important game. Next category is what's age the best? The 2017 Warriors, holy shit. Um, it's been, it's too close to really kind of put them in a big picture perspective. It just happened. But when you look at what they did, there were 67 and 15 regular season, 16 and one in the playoffs. They went 83 and 16. I'm not positive we're seeing that again. I think that would be really hard. I think you would have to stack the deck in, in kind of the lucky way that they were able to with the cap going up with Durant. They averaged almost 116 points a game, 115.9. They uh, outscored their opponents by 11.6 in the regular season. Their percentages as a team were 50-38-79. They made 982 threes. KD, Curry, and Clay together in the regular season were 72.5 points a game, just the three of them, 9.4 threes, 40% three-point shooting. And then the playoffs, KD and Curry together, 56.6 points a game, 52-43-90 percentages. Uh, and then you throw in Clay, and they and they were taking twenty two threes a game. The three of them in the playoffs making nine point one. I think that's the best offensive team of all time. I don't know if it's the best team, but if we're saying what was the best offense of all time, it's the two thousand seventeen Warriors. And it's certainly a better offense than I ever expected to see in my life. And to think that just it also kind of talks a little bit about this team. In that, as much as I I loved them, they were the most careless team. That was really good. Yeah. They really were. I mean, they turned it over a bunch, and Steph had moments. And I remember one of the first interviews I ever did with him, I go, hey, I'm I'm in love with watching you guys, but this is very early. It might yeah. have been even that 15 year. And I'm going, I love watching you guys play, man. This is unbelievable. He, you know, he couldn't be nicer. He's an awesome guy to talk to. And I go, are you bored sometimes? Are you in NBA games where you're like, I'm just going to try this shit real quick, see what happens? I was like, you look bored. Which it sounds insane. And he laughed the way he laughed it was, was him basically saying, Yeah, 
Like that was happening to Larry Bird. Larry Bird had the game in Portland when he did when he said before the game, "I'm shooting everything left-handed," and they were like, "Okay, cool." And then he took 15 left-handed shots in the game. And what what kind of pisses me off about that 17 team and you know how these things like 16 will never be remembered the way it needs to be. You know that Pats team in 2007 is never going to be remembered the way that it it needs to be. You yeah. Know? If you're doing the greatest NFL teams of all time, like you don't get to put them on it, which is ridiculous. I mean, well, it's I funny because but- the 25-game winning streak is my favorite moment of all of this Curry stuff, which is another thing that what's the, in the what's age the best because they won the title. They took some shit for it. It's like, well, Curry didn't win finals MVP. Well, Cleveland wasn't healthy. Well, what are you going to do this year? And then they came out and they kicked everybody's ass for how long is 25 games? That's like, that's like, like 15, 14, seven 15 weeks. Games, yeah, a month. And I remember there was a Boston game, Steve Carter and I talked about it, where somebody was hurt and it was like Boston was just going to end the streak, take the game. And the Warriors were just like, no, we're not ready to give up the streak yet. The way they were fighting for that, I'm sure it ended up costing them in the playoffs. But, but see, I've, I've never I just bought love that. that. I've never, like whenever I hear, oh, that's why they didn't win the title, I'd be like, okay, so it took until the fourth quarter of game seven of 2016 for it to finally kick in. Well, Curry got hurt in the playoffs, I think. He had been hurt. Yeah. But I mean, he's he had been some hurt sort in the Portland of series. Injury. He got hurt again. Another year yeah. where he missed some time but what i think is like a really telling thing about this entire warriors run is that 17 team they've swept the trailblazers they've swept the jazz they've swept the spurs they're up 3-0 against cleveland and they're like eh, fuck it and they gave up 137 points and lost and then came back in one game well you five. remember what happened that game though well there's a the officials were absolutely egregious in that game it was one of the worst officiated games of this decade and there was just it was pretty one-sided. The only reason I remember this is because Sal and I had so bet on the so Warriors sweep. <laughs> yeah, we bet on the Warriors sweep. We're upset. Uh, another what's age the best? Game 7, 2014, Warriors-Clippers, which I went to. This was during, that was the series with Donald Sterling and all, all kinds of shit was going on. And it ended up on a Saturday night, Game 7. The Clippers were better. And it seemed like one of those games where the Warriors are going to get blown out. And they really fought. And, it, and I remember sitting in my seat, Chris Paul was at the peak of his powers at that point, and he was throwing everything at Steph, and he's fouling him on every play. He's hacking him, he's pushing him, he's shoving him, he's stepping on his feet, and Steph just kept coming back and coming back and coming back. And Draymond was just starting to feel like Draymond, uh, you know, in that playoff thing. And it's a really interesting game. It's like the seeds for what happened to them the next season happened that game. It would be fun to do a rewatchables about that. And by the way, that was um, in that game seven against the Clippers because I remember you know, you, at that point you're like, I don't know. I don't know. They didn't have Bogut. They didn't have Bogut in that right. game either. Another thing that's aged the best, um, the whole Del Curry and his dad thing. I love when sons of athletes become better versions of the dad and they – you know, World Wide West told me this once. He said, somebody whose dad was a professional athlete, you have to take them more seriously because they've been in locker rooms. They understand how to be professional. They've just seen it. They're not like fish out of water. They actually, this was his big case for Donovan Mitchell. He's like, his dad was an athlete. He's, but people are sleeping on Mitchell. He's like an adult already. He'll come in, he'll be an adult right away. And I think you see the way Steph's handled himself really from the get-go. It's the same kind of thing, right? Del Curry played... Forever. He played for, uh, I have it coming up later, he played for like 18 seasons. And, Ste and Steph and his brother were there going to all these things, going to the pregame warm-ups, watching, you know, all types of people 
work on their craft before the game and all that stuff. I think that stuff's really helpful. Uh, but I, 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 this is the best case scenario of a father-son thing. We've seen some bad case scenarios too. And then uh, another what's age the best. I like the Nash connection with him. And I think one of the things that Nash really doesn't get credit for, for basically creating was the one-legged shots and the off balance. Or the wrong takeoff. Yeah. The the, wrong takeoff to like throw the the big. The the scoop shot. I couldn't believe when I first started realizing, like, wait a minute, Nash is driving in a big and finishing a layup. And the reason he's finishing every time is he's leaving early on the wrong foot. Right. Everybody's on his right foot. Like think you're timing your entire life as a big or a help defender. You're like, wait a minute, how how am I not getting there? It's like, well, because you you've been You've, you haven't seen this before. But then you would see Nash warm up and he's working on all these yeah. moves and he's going into the lane and jumping off the wrong leg and you're like, wow, this is fucking weird. Curry does the same thing and I think he picked up some tricks from him, but the floaters, the footwork, all that, I think has really aged the best as he's gone along. And then we mentioned game four, 2016. He doesn't have a defining playoff game as we're going to cover in a little bit. This was his defining playoff I game. I think he does. Well, we'll save yeah, it. Yeah, I am. Save but. it. Um, game four, they're up 2-1. Cavs are healthy. This is now a war. Cavs, this is the Cavs are taking it. They're taking it back. They're going to tie the series. Curry goes 11 for 25. He makes seven of 13 threes, nine of 10 from the free throw line, 38 points. The Cavs got 34 from Kyrie, who was 14 for 28 and 25 and 13 and nine from LeBron. They actually played well in that game. And the Warriors beat them. And by the end of that game, you're like, they're better. This is it. And that I, I think Steph wins the finals MVP, the whole thing, which goes back to the nut punch. But that game, I want to do that game on this podcast too because I just think that Warriors team was better. And I really do think that was a fluky series. Now, now would what, 2015, yeah, right. would Cleveland have beaten them? Totally. I actually right. think they probably would have. So think, it, it probably even out. Them in 15. So it evened out. I always... As much as I love Steph and, and all this stuff, and I'm, I'm glad you pointed out that game because that game gets lost in like the, hey, we need an answer here. And Steph's like, all right, I got it. Like, let's get And that's why whenever it's like, oh, hey, we start hearing this whole thing, like he's not getting the finals, he's not getting the finals. And if you go and look at the numbers, you're going to think it's ridiculous that it's ever brought up. But that's also one of the things that I always think is important. Like, don't just go back and look at my all-time favorite is, make LeBron, your case. is LeBron's triple-double against the Celtics in that game where they were eliminated when he was still with the Cavs. Oh, game before, six. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was game six. He had like he, a 29, 12, and 10. And he was terrible. Yeah. I mean, you had to watch the game and go, oh, so not every great, you know, to keep myself honest here, there are Curry games in the moment you're like, oh, I don't know that he was really as good as I hope he's going to be. But then sometimes I'm like, well, what am I hoping he's going to do? Hit 10, 30 footers? Because I think that happened to Steph there a little bit. And so you look at like another really solid 25, 8, and 7 game, because he'd always have some weird big rebounding games every now and then too. Yeah. And... I actually I thought go, he was kind of an underrated rebounder. I do think, yeah. look, look, look at the he rebounding go, he numbers. You go fight for in traffic. So to kind of finish that whole thing that I, that I needed to make the point of, whenever 16 is talked about, it can't just be Draymond in the punch, even though I agree, if that doesn't happen, they win. Yeah. His game four, you're saying again, yeah. here in 16, was in the one that I, it never gets remembered. But you have to be just, you have to be complimentary of what Kyrie and LeBron did offensively in those last three games going, Hey, we're, we're going to turn into like Jordan and Jordan. Yeah. These next three games. Cause what those dudes did, none of that stuff happens unless those guys become superhuman and they did it. Hey, hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Altura's COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. 
but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. This technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter, said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. I wasn't surprised. I've been talking about ZipRecruiter for year, years. Yeah, he also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days with results like that. No wonder four to five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes? My listeners can try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B-O-B. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash B-O-B. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Let's talk about Luminary, a podcast subscription service with some of the best content around. It's the only place you can listen to The Ringer's amazing new podcast, Sonic Boom, How Seattle Lost Its Team, hosted by our very own Jordan Ritter Khan. If you're a fan of sports, great investigative journalism, or both, it's definitely a podcast you can't miss. The Seattle Supersonics won the 79 NBA title. They had great stars over the years. Gus Williams, Tom Chambers, Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, Ray Allen. They even drafted Kevin Durant in 2007. But in 2008, they packed their bags for Oklahoma City. Sonic Boom tells the story of basketball and politics, wealth and power. Hear from the NBA legends, politicians, diehard fans, and business executives in a pod that unearths never-before-heard truths about the NBA's greatest heist, along with Sonic Boom. Luminary offers more than 40 podcasts you can't find anywhere else, including two other great ones from The Ringer, Break Stuff, The Story of Woodstock 99, and Rewatchables 1999. The Luminary app is free to download. Use it to listen to thousands of other shows, including this one. Get your first two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free when you sign up at luminary.link slash basketball. After that, it's only $7.99 per month. Luminary.link slash basketball. Cancel anytime. Terms do apply. What's age the worst? Another category. Barkley's Warriors takes were just awful. And I, he's still kind of sticking to him yeah. almost. Yeah he's, yeah, he's just like, I'm, I'm, almost the, starting to I'm going down with the ship. <laughs> really bad. Um, game 7, 2016 for Steph. Awful. Last five minutes are really rough. They're there. But listen. You go through every great player ever, and they have a couple of those games. You said this, and my my guy Larry Bird had a couple. First with the tragic Johnson, Cedric Maxwell. Oh, yeah. uh, but it's bad because I've watched it a couple times. It's rough. And it's but you know what? Festus Zeely missed two huge layups. Harrison Barnes couldn't hit a shot to save his life. But Festus Zeely gave up two threes to LeBron yeah. in a row with like five minutes left because for some reason he was out there. I think that's probably Kerr's biggest regret. The the iconic play that stuck out was love getting switched on Curry. Yeah. Which should have been lights out every time. And he just couldn't shake him for whatever. I think either the moment was too big, he was physically tired, he choked. You can come up with 90 different reasons, but... Are we underrating the lateral quickness of Kevin Love? Maybe we were. Certainly, there was Kevin Love's apex mountain. Here's another what's age the worst. And I didn't know where to put this, so I'm just putting it here. The Golden State so fucking lucky to get Curry. Here's all the things that happened. they almost lost him three times. 2009 draft, Blake Griffin first. Hashim Thabit goes to Memphis. James Harden to OKC, who easily could have taken Steph. Tyreek Evans to Sacramento. Minnesota on the clock. They go Rubio Flynn. 
Curry goes seventh. Miss is going to the Knicks by a hair. During that draft, here's the second thing. Is it Jordan Hill? Jordan Hill. Yeah. Steve Kerr, and he's talked about this, and it's it's this sneaky little NBA fact that, that it feels like it should be a bigger deal. He thought he had traded for the seventh pick in Steph Curry. And the trade was Amari Stoudemire in the 14th pick for Andres B. Adrians in the seventh pick. And he thought he had a deal. Curry goes on the clock and the Warriors fans lose their fucking mind. And the Warriors are like, oh, maybe we should take this guy. And, and this actually happens. So he's going to Phoenix to play with Kerr and Steve, and, and, uh, Steve Nash. This is going to play out. This trade is like, hey, if Curry's there at seven, we're doing the trade, right? Yeah. And then they flipped it. Trade now, doesn't happen. Now, do you believe that it's 100% because of the reaction at the draft party? Something happened. Because there's another version, and I'm not saying it's a different version. I think this is in addition to what you're saying. But Don Nelson was with Golden State at this point. And from the Phoenix side that I'd heard is that Don had no intention. Like, just was like, He was nah. just snookering him? Yeah. He's like, Maybe. Yeah. Well, Phoenix thought they were getting him for the five Phoenix minutes. Absolutely thought they were, they were like, getting him. Oh my God, yeah. we got Steph Curry. This isn't a disputing the Johnny story. Johnny Flynn right. thing happens, and they're in the war room high fiving. Oh my God! Everybody so, really liked Tariq, and then you had your boy in Minnesota, my guy. Come on. <laughs> All right, here's the third way they lucked out. 2011, they want to get Andrew Bogut. They offer Milwaukee Monte Ellis or Steph Curry. Your choice. You pick Milwaukee. Milwaukee picked Bogut. According to current Bucks owner Mark Lazary, here's what he said. The Bucks medical staff didn't think Steph's ankle would hold up. This is Mark Lazary talking. That killed the deal. So I don't know if that's being light years. It's a shot at oh, Joe Lake yeah. of the Warriors Every owner. It's luck, and that's fine. I think we got rid of that medical staff when we bought the Bucks. Wow. One thing... The Joe Lake of light years ahead, everybody else pissed off literally everybody oh, the in the most, NBA. Right. It's the most angry 30, well, 29, 28 white billionaires have ever been at the same time. <laughs> it's furious. And after all the minority owners, I don't too. know what kind of text. What the word, Joe I mean, it was turning into therapy sessions with people that were calling. And I'd be like, look, I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't know him. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't change what he said. I feel like I have to double check on that. I'm not saying he's wrong on the Bucks, but I remember the Warriors wanted Monte Ellis out. Like they they wanted he was Monte Ellis. It seems like there's multiple people that when they talked, they basically said, Which one do you want? And Milwaukee's like, We like, we like Ellis. I mean, that's the thing that happened. Cause Ellis was a Cause Steph remember big time right, but he was this big time scorer, and you go, but you're gonna lose every game. He just was one of those guys. He's, like, he was the Zach Levine of the late two thousands. Oh, perfect! I was yeah. trying to think of the Sorry. perfect one there. Sorry, I took your no, Zach you didn't Levine take thunder. It. You helped. You assisted. Yeah, okay. unlike Zach Levine. But that's your. You love Zach. Your Zach Levine jokes is your territory. Yes. Yeah, it is. But I. But I here's needed the thing. The help there. It wasn't totally crazy at the time because even when Curry was available, was eligible for an extension, they signed him to a four year, forty four million extension, of which ankle. was. 30 million less than he could have made because they were like, we don't know. And I remember writing about it at the time, great price if he stays healthy. Don't know if he's going to stay healthy. We don't know about his ankles. I miss you, writing. Ankles and feet. You just don't know. Anyway, thank you. Next category, too early, too late, just right. This is easy. He shows up in the league at the absolute perfect time. This if he is the all-time just right. We can talk about 
the physical nature of the 90s, which again, I think is always absolutely overblown. I understand it was a more physical game. I understand those Knicks, Bulls, those playoff series and all, but it wasn't like that 82 games a year. Well, because people see the playoffs on Hardwood Classics. They're never showing like Orlando Charlotte from February. I watch stuff where it comes up and I laugh. And you know what's crazy too? Like 80s, some playoffs games in the 80s, like people just let you get into what you were doing in transition. Yeah. Like guys wouldn't get picked up all the time. So Dennis Johnson was open from 18 feet for five straight years. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So to think that like Steph wouldn't have been able to play then and all those different things. But what I would say is the negative if he had come out earlier, and I'm talking decades earlier, there's no old, you imagine Cotton Fitzsimmons being like, yeah, take more 30 footers. Yeah. The coach would have neutered him more than defenders would have. Right. Cause they, you know, if we're doing the time machine type of thing, the way the game was thought of, they wouldn't want a guy doing the stuff that he's doing. So that's another reason why it came along at the perfect time. Even Maravich at the time in the seventies, people were like, oh, he's taking 30 footers. They were only worth two points. He was still taking them. Hey, Red Arbeck thought Koozie was too flashy. Right. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> we wasn't wrong. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't exactly wrong about it. Nerd corner, next category. I only have two things because we've hit a lot of stuff. Only five guys ever have made 273s in one season. I'm paying attention. I'm pulling up my nerd corner research. Curry has made 273s in a season five times. In the top 10, he's one, three, four, six, and nine. <laughs> Wait, say 10. that again. One. He's first, third, fourth, sixth, and ninth on the all time who's made at least 273s list. It's ridiculous. Only five players have averaged 30 points a game shooting less than 21 field goals per game. Steph Curry, James Harden, Kevin Durant, the mailman, Carl Malone. Adrian Dantley is our fifth. All right, next category, was he one of one? This is a much more fun category with some other players we're going to do. This one, he's a one of one. Can I throw one nerd corner at you? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I knew you thought I was getting distracted there. If you do a five-year plus minus, okay, yeah. Like Curry against LeBron, Dirk, Shaq, Kobe, using those players' five best years. No one else is even at 3,500 points. He's about 400, or excuse me, 4,250 points. A plus for a minus. Pl- for so plus? A plus minus over five seasons, a total plus minus for five seasons, considering the five best seasons oh of a player. He's, no one's even close to him. And then you go, well, Ryan, that's because the team's really good. Well, um, this was written about the start of last year because anybody that looked at plus minus, which can be flawed, but over five years isn't really flawed. Right. Okay. It's flawed in a game. It can be flawed in a month. It's not flawed over five years, but that's, well, Ryan his plus minus is that because the team is so good. Okay. Well, at the beginning of KD's run in 16, 17, if you looked at Curry, Thompson, Durant, and Green on the floor together, they were 17 points better than the opposition, right? So a plus 17. If you took Durant out and you just went with the original Warriors, they were plus 15. If you took Clay out and it was just Draymond and Curry, it was like plus 14. And then if it were just Curry alone, the previous three seasons going into the very beginning of last year, they were still 14 points better per 100 possession when Curry was by himself. There is no number that will prove that he didn't, affect the game in a way like yes i know he's not as physical yes there are possessions in playoff series where i'd be like yeah this is some of his limitations showing up here but the way he freaked everybody out which i think teams have gotten more used to but in the peak of this thing 
it was five guys going, what the hell are we doing? And we're cheating away and we're giving up other buckets. He was like this thing that the other nine people orbited around. And he there's there's no number. Like every number tells you, yeah, all those other guys are really good. But the thing that made it all work was always Steph and his shooting. And even him coming off screens. Was and you like see the two people jump. The and then Tyreek Hill example, right? right? Exactly. Where it's like, oh shit, where's he going? And now two people going with him. There's a wide open lane where he's yeah. coming over the top, and then the trailer, the screener, and they they jump out, and then everybody just leaves it. Like the worry, other players who weren't great passers got so used to it because they're like, I'll just wait until this guy leaves his guy, and we get a back cut. Also, just incredibly fun to play with. Like if you're just judging guys, like oh, I bet that guy's fun to play with. Like Curry, you know, he's not going to care if he shoots too much. His usage rate's never crazy. He's going to get heat check stuff every once in a while. It's always fun to feed the guy who has the heat check. But ultimately, he's, you know, it was just unselfish. He's a weirdly, un he's got to be the most unselfish guy who's ever scored 30. And I've never watched a Warriors game and felt like, man, Steph's got a, Steph's really hogging it tonight. It never, he never felt like a I hog. wanted it to happen more. Yeah. You know, and Clay would have heat check games. I had a couple of buddies that were like, I think I like Clay's heat check games better. Oh, they compare than, heat check games. Curry. Clay's and heat I, check games were fun because he would get that, he'd just go blank. He'd get that weird look in his yeah, face. Yeah, then Kerr, Kerr would ruin He's him. like a zombie. Yeah, he'd be like, you know what's not, you know, it's like fun, Steve Kerr. Yeah. Leaving him check. in for the fourth to yeah, see where the hell this it. can go here. Next category was he a one of one? The answer is yes. We're going to talk about that. Unintentional comedy wrinkle. So Steph was on my podcast in like 2013 and he talked about how he couldn't grow a beard and he had like the whispers. Now somehow he has a full beard. This would be a good investigation for you on uh, Ryan Russell's manologues on the <laughs> Ringer, Ringer YouTube channel. <laughs> defining playoff moment, 2013. I have a bunch of semi-defining, but not total defining, but I know you have an answer. And then I, I, when you said that had an answer, I was trying to figure out what your answer was and then I realized I missed one. 2013 playoffs, beat Denver. They were plus 355 underdogs. Unbelievable, huh? But game one, San Antonio, the next series, he had 44 in game one uh, in a double overtime loss. And I think that was when people were like, oh, okay, this is real. He's doing it against Spurs. 2015 playoffs, game six at Memphis, you mentioned 32 and 10, eight threes. And then the Houston Western Conference finals. He was just awesome in that finals. Doesn't get credit for it. 31 a game. 27 to 55 from three in the four Cleveland wins in 2015 playoffs, 27 a game, 16 for 40 from three. And if you're just judging the finals MVP by who played the best in the four wins, the Iguodala thing became like, look, LeBron wasn't even slowed down. LeBron just took a million shots. So he wasn't as efficient because he was the only thing Cleveland had offensively. And that's one of my thing about voting on some of these awards is people get really caught up in what the story is. And Iguodala's effort in that game became the story or the finals. But really what was happening is as soon as they had that high trap on Steph and it was about game four, where it was like, oh, okay, they're, they're selling out. They're selling out on me. I've taken too long to figure out what the hell's going on. And once he figured it out, the high trap got it out of his hands and then came back and had that game five where it was even after being down 2-1 where he went for 37-7. Um, he went for 37 points and he had 7-13 threes. Like, that was a miss. That was a miss. The people that voted on that and voted for dollar got it wrong. There's some bad finals MVPs. Maxwell won in 81. Bird should have won if you actually go back and look at it. Uh Duncan in 07, he was the best player in the league, and Parker got hot for a couple games. But that was like, a really easy one to figure yeah, out how like, they got there, though. It's like, yeah. come on. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the uh, 2016 OKC Game 6 we mentioned, 
2016 Cleveland Game 4 we mentioned. 2018 playoffs, Game 2. I was actually doing the HBO show Courtside that we did that year, and we built a whole 10-minute segment around this game. 33 points, 9 for 17 from 3. Before the game, he shoots that shot in the tunnel where he tries to make a 3 from the tunnel. We had our whole HBO crew in the tunnel. I was like, boy, it would be cool if he makes this. Odds are a million to one. Fucking swished it. Got it Got it on video in slow motion, the whole tunnel going nuts. And then uh, the one that I should have had down here was the 2019 Houston game six. When the day, the game after Durant got hurt, when everybody's like, oh my God, they've just lost. There's no way they're going to make the finals. And then Curry was incredible in the second half. It's my favorite Steph game of all time. Yeah, I should have had I remember I was staying at the Soho, James, on Grand Street little kind of escape stomping ground for me. Mm. And I'm like, I can't sit in the hotel. I don't like to go watch games anywhere. So I was just sitting in the hotel room, but I was like amped. I was like nervous for him because it was the culmination of everything. It's like, all right, Durant's out. And by the way, Steph closed great in game five after yep, Durant had gone out. And you're like, they're going back to Houston. You know, Houston can't, they can't lose this game. They can't lose. They're not going to lose this game. And so I was like, ah, screw it. So I went to like a little, like steakhouse across from the hotel and uh i sat and just had a steak by myself like off to the side table i think i even had to ask him like are you guys to still stay open can i grab a steak or just throw some and i watch him miss every fucking shot for a quarter and a half and i can't i can't look at my phone yeah i can't look at my phone because i'm like i know what it is and that's that's the thing about Steph. Steph was kind of like this quarterback that was outside of the top tier, the top five quarterbacks. Now, to me, he's always been in that tier one. I don't know how anybody else would argue it, but whether it was his peers, again, the most disrespected star by his peers I can ever think of, whether it was just NBA Twitter that didn't want to believe it was real, like they, the, the saliva in the mouth of the anti-Steph people as he misses every shot. And yeah. they're going to lose to Harden, too, who's like, to me, the antithesis of, of Curry. Yeah. You know, like, where's your big moment? Like, what I see when I see you is a guy Could who have been this game asleep at the end of this massive moment to, like, resurrect your playoff perception. And it isn't perception anymore. Harden has flame outside. And I'm like, here we go again. And then he goes for 33 in the second half. And I went back to my hotel room and I just sat there and watched it all. And then I started calling buddies. Like, it was weird. It was a weird moment You and I are me. big Steph truthers. Yeah, I'm I'm almost insufferable about it. But yeah. I was so happy, and I was so happy because it was Houston. I was so – and Harden, by the way, had a huge game. But at the very end, you're like, which guy's showing up here? Like, are we st- like, how many more of these games do we need? And for Steph to do this whole, like, 180 on social media and the world that's, like, just so happy that he sucks so bad in the first half. And it's, like, none of the evidence of years of production, all the stuff you just went through, like, none of that matters because he sucks in the first half of game six. And then it's like, yeah, but what about us that are right all the time? Well, we saw him in the second half. Kerr, who does the pod that we're releasing at the same time as this one, said it was his favorite game he's ever coached. I was I was weird after the reasons you mentioned, as well as the fuck you edge and them getting written off when they had had this incredible six year run, and people are just like, "Oh, Durant's hurt; they're not going to win now." And they were like, "Really? We're not going to win now?" Because was it Steph? Was it in game? Yeah, it was game three. He was atrocious. Yeah, and so it was like, "Oh, here we go again." You know, so he was giving evidence out to people in the playoffs that there was something different. Uh, Only three more categories left. Biggest what if sliding doors moment. 
mentioned what happens to Steph's ankles if Steph doesn't end up going straight. We mentioned the 2009 draft. Um, we mentioned Draymond's nut punch. What we didn't mention, what if the cap never goes up in 2016? Because this is a all-time historical cap fluke where collective bargaining agreement, media rights. All time, all, like once, a, like, will it, it ever happen again? I don't think I don't it'll think ever, because it I, I think they'll change the rule this time around so it doesn't happen again. They'll probably spread it out more versus, hey, this year, great news, everybody. The cap's going to go up by $40 million. And it leads to them being able to just randomly, this is the one year they ever could have gotten Kevin Durant because at the same time, they have Curry on the last year of his four-year, $44 million deal. And they could add these two guys and put them on the same team with Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. This will never happen again. So if the cap doesn't go up. It doesn't It doesn't happen. But I still think they win a lot of games. So I asked yeah. Steve Kerr that, and he was like, he'd never really thought about it because he was just lived in the reality of what the reality was. But it's like they bring back Harrison Barnes. Probably like not getting Durant doesn't mean that, you know, that's one of the things that's always lost in all this. They would have kept the other people. Kurt, they don't, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't just, hey, Durant, or you can't have anyone on your team. So they don't, I don't know if they win 17 and 18 both, but I think the over-under is probably one and a half for titles. I think Steph might have won another MVP, potentially. Maybe he's in that 2017 Harden versus Westbrook versus Curry thing. Maybe Durant's in there, too, on the Celtics or wherever he would have gone. There's some good what-ifs that come out of it. And the other what-if that we talked about more in the James Harden pod that we're doing next week is— uh, Don't have me on for that one. Well, Zach Lowe was on it. He's he's more kind to James Harden than you. But um, if Steph gets drafted by OKC— in 2009 and gets added to Westbrook and Durant, that's a weird fucking, oh my God, what does that world look like? Those three guys together? It's kind of fun. That would have been weird for Westbrook. Westbrook ends up getting traded, I yeah, feel like. Yeah, I think OKC is like, hey, I think we're good with these There's other There's some guys. versions of all this what if. This is the one you should do. Is Give me another one. If Presti had traded Westbrook, like he probably should have, Harden and Durant have a bunch of titles at OKC. Well, it seems like they want to get rid of Harden. We... Discuss that on the pod. Yeah. I don't want to spoil the pod. One more what if. Yeah. Some other owners would have never fired Mark Jackson. They'd have been like, you know what? We've been a bad team. He's been at the core of this. This has been this turnaround. Um, you know what? We're afraid if we fire him, how the media is going to treat us. And that was a fear. And they just went ahead and did it anyway. There's, and and Mark was deserves credit for being there at the beginning, but Kerr unlocked something else. There's they, another tiny what if just with Draymond who just dropped 14 spots lower than he should have. And Tom Izzo just calling all these teams being like, what are you guys doing? You got to take them, got to take them. It's kind of inconceivable that he landed where he did. You watched him in college. He, he clearly should have been at least early second round. He <laughs> fell to 30, 37 or 38. It's insanity. And how, how many times can we, but can we, a guy, weren't, we weren't like the other evolution part of this too, though. We weren't ready for the small four. Yeah, but how many the league times went small overnight too? Th but this has happened the entire course of the league, where the most guy of these guys don't work out. But though, the guy right? who's an inch or an inch and a half smaller than he should be, but you like everything else about him, and the guy just drops twenty spots. Now, like the Celtics have Grant Williams this year, who I think ten years ago would have gone thirty eighth, and now teams are at least going, yeah, this guy is actually we know he's going to be able to play on a team. Um, but that that was lucky too because they had him on a second round contract, which enabled them to do some other things. Uh, last category: overrated, underrated, properly rated. What would you go with? Underrated. 
I think underrated as well. My final pyramid ranking is 24 for him and climbing. So here's who he has. This is level four. If you remember my Hall of Fame pyramid, I built it like an Egyptian pyramid. First floor, first level you get in. Second level, a little better. Third level, you're doing really well. That's like where Allen Iverson is. Fourth level is like, you're fucking great. You won some titles. And then the fifth level is the Pantheon. I have Curry in level four. So level four, guys. Scotty's like a great level four guy for me because most people would have put him level three. And I'm like, fuck that. The guy's the greatest wingman probably of all time. Dwayne Wade, 28. Better than Vince Vaughn in swingers. Isaiah Thomas, 27. Kuzi, 26. Now, Kuzi is where people are like, oh, I've watched the tapes. There's no way he'd... Re-. It's like, all right, well, Kuzi, when we finished the first 25 years of the league, he was considered the greatest player of all time. So I'm going to respect that. Yeah, by the way, like if you're if you're leaving Worcester in the late 50s, can we cool it on not having the athleticism to get in right. front of Lillard right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like there's... It's, it's there's, ludicrous. There's a very... Real way we can talk about it, but there's also a completely unfair way that we we treat former generations of athletes where you go, well, yes, I understand if he played tomorrow, but like... We can only measure by right. by how they were measured against their peers in right. the moment. And then when it starts to get... It's not Kuzi played now. I still think Kuzi probably would have been pretty good, though. I think he could have started for like the Magic. <laughs> I'm not ready to, I'm not uh, ready to co-sign Kawhi that. Leonard 25 See, Cur- but, but, Curry 24 Can we stay on this? Because I think Eddie House If he played in the 50s <laughs> He would like, have been a star would, for Syracuse It wouldn't just be that There'd be sta- there'd be Eddie House statues In every capital in the yeah. United States Well like, think about have- Hassan Whiteside He would have been like a 30-30 guy in 1961 <laughs> So you can't really do it You can only measure by what their impact was When they played And I think Curry is, is easily one of the best 25 players of all time And going this way any last thoughts? If you don't like curry, you hated this podcast. <laughs> Thanks to State Farm. Remember, just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. State Farm. And thanks to Square, the company that makes that little white square credit card reader. Odds are you didn't know that Square also makes pretty much anything you need to run and grow, any kind of business, things like point of sale, payroll, online stores, and invoicing. See how Square can take your business from square one to whatever's next at square.com slash go slash BS.